Welcome to episode one, season one of From the Presidium podcast from Presidia Film Society. I'm Tim. I'm Dustin. And we are here to talk about what Presidia Film Society is all about and what we're doing. So the goal and mission statement of the Presidia Film Society is the Presidia Film Society is an organization striving to transform the lives of creators and audiences through the power and communal experience of films. This is our second year. We started last year and we showed 28 movies at the Mayflower Arts Center in Troy, Ohio. And we have already shown a couple movies this year and have big plans for this year, including our podcast. Ta-da! Oh, I had music. That's okay. Ta-da! We could add music later. <laughs> we can. So Dustin, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and your background and what you like in movies. Oh, no. Um, so I am in my third year, end of the third year at the University of Cincinnati. I'm studying film studies. Um, I was I was in English for the longest time. Um, technically, it's still in English. But now that English departments don't have people taking literature classes anymore, they've swallowed up film studies uh, for good reason, because people take film classes. So I am in that. I'm third year. I've taught film for three years now, maybe longer, I guess. Um, and I just love talking about films. But I think also I realized recently that I actually hate films because I like to rail about films more than talk about liking them. So there's like this small group of films that I'll proclaim are good and then there's this huge swath of films Marvel movies that I do not like as we'll find out that's something you and I have talked about in the past is as somebody who studies film as deeply and much as you do can you sit back and watch a movie to enjoy it or is your brain always processing and analyzing what's working and what's not working and what they could have done better uh yes and no Yes, my brain is always processing it. I can't... I've been ruined uh, from movies because I always watch with a critical eye towards it. But there are some stupid movies that I can slightly turn my brain off. One that I'm thinking of right now is the Tenacious D movie. Do you remember the Tenacious D movie? I've never seen it. <laughs> you should I, watch the I, Tenacious not, D not movie. I'm Jack Black fan. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I like it, but it's and stupid. He's, and he's total Jack Black in that movie, from what I could tell. Yeah. Um, I'm not a huge comedy watcher, but when I do, I generally turn my brain off to them. Like, I like Tropic Thunder a lot, which I just like quoting Tropic Thunder. Um, so I could turn my brain off to that. Beyond that, it's tough. Even bad movies, I'm like, ugh, what's happening here? So, so the popcorn munching movies that are made out there. I don't like popcorn. Maybe that's the problem. You don't like popcorn. I don't like popcorn. Because hey, if you're just watching a movie that's intended to be a popcorn guzzling movie, <laughs> when you're not supposed to, when you're not are you grinding to think, the popcorn up and drinking? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> then, if yeah, if you don't like popcorn, you can't enjoy popcorn movies. I do like Swedish fish. Think, Swedish fish I movies. I don't think the people in Hollywood who specialize in making Swedish fish movies. Right. Maybe the Swedes are. Like Bergman was he Swedish? Do you like Bergman? He's Dutch. Bergman? Yeah. Yeah, I like Bergman. Well, there you go. Summer of Monica is good. Have you seen Summer with Monica? I've not seen that one. Probably shouldn't show it at the Mayflower. What, what, who, is the, who, is, who is the audience for that movie? Art films, foreign films. It's people that wear berets and smoke clove cigarettes? <sighs> yeah, yeah. <Okay>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Troy, Ohio. Exactly. So Tim, tell us about yourself. Why do you... This is the question. 
whoever's listening in the future, because no one's listening right now. Um, and I'm ready to gauge the brain of why Tim is running this, because sometimes I question <laughs> his thoughts on movies and why he watches certain movies. Tim, go. So I'm Tim. Um, I have an MFA in studio arts, and I am a photographer, um, an installation artist for a career. I also teach photography at the college level. And I've always enjoyed films, but I view that I come from a different different perspective than Dustin does. I go to movies for escapism and enjoyment. <laughs> I don't I don't Boo. sit there and, and, and analyze, you know, why the director made this choice for this this perspective. Um, I can there are some movies I can watch and enjoy for the craftsmanship, like for instance The Godfather, the lighting in The Godfather is amazing. Um, but that's coming from the, a background in photography and doing studio photography. It's like you, you notice things like that. But I am a big Jimmy Buffett fan and enjoy going on vacations and just forgetting about everything that's going on. So I'm, I'm pure escapism and art does that for me. And I look, that, I look for that in the movies I watch. So like last year, we showed The Florida Project um, as one of our movies. And I watched it before we screened it so that I could know what we were, we were showing because it came in with Dustin's recommendations. Like, sure, we'll show it. <laughs> and that is pure trust. I watched it. And I'm like, I watched it. And at the end of it, I was just, I didn't know why I watched it. it, was, it I didn't enjoy it at all <laughs> because it was too much. I, I live normal. I live everyday life as it is. Why would I, if I want escapism and spend two hours of my life to get away from things, why would I watch a movie that is about real life that I'm, that I'm trying to get away from? So, however, I think that movie has caused us to have more discussions than any other movie we've watched. <laughs> I'm because, sure there'll be future yeah, ones. Because it's those conversations have made me start to see films in Dustin's, through Dustin's eyes yeah. about why what makes a good movie a good movie even if i don't like it in terms of the story that's being told i can still enjoy it and appreciate it for the story they were telling and the craftsmanship behind it as a film critic as opposed to a film fan so that's that's my take on things so i've learned a lot about movies in the last year and working with dustin um, if it had just been me picking movies, we would have had a very different <laughs> slate of movies that we were showing. And Dark we, star. <laughs> and we wouldn't be um, where we are today if it wasn't for me pushing Dustin towards pop movies and him pushing me towards understanding the craft and skill of movie making. I can, I can enjoy some pop movies. I think we have a good blend coming up this year. Yeah. We have, I think eh, last year's that. I mean... We... we well, last year last we intentionally went pretty shotgun. We were trying. Yeah, we, we did. We just did a whole bu- whole bunch of different things. Yeah, uh, we tried different. We we did everything from Vertigo, where Dustin gave a quick presentation begin the beginning of the movie about things to look for in the movie that Hitchcock used, and he did an excellent job of talking about filmmaking without revealing <laughs> the spoilers of the movie. Hard to do. Um, and then he we did The Shining, and you did a whole. Special workshop on just The Shining. Yeah. Um, but then we did Jaws and did a little information about, you know, that was the first blockbuster movie. That I think we did Grease first. 
I think Greece is first. Greece is first, but in Jaws, in Jaws we were talking about how... Oh, those, blockbuster, blockbuster, yeah, yeah, yeah. The history of Jaws and why it's a significant movie in yeah. cultural history. Yeah, the first blockbuster, summer yeah. blockbuster. And ever since it changed Hollywood. Yes. So... And then Star Wars. Yeah. Changed Hollywood. So that is one thing, when we do show movies, <coughs> is we try to get past the experience of buying a ticket... Walk in, sit on your phone till the movie starts, watch the movie, and leave. Um, we create or try to create experiences and educational for every movie we show. So, for um, when we showed Empire Records, we set up a table in the lobby and made it look like Rex Manning Day. So, we had the banner behind the theater, behind the table, and buttons and grab bags with things of. So people were walking in as if they're walking into the record store, Empire Records, rather than just walking into an empty lobby. And then we did a about a five or ten minute talk before the movie about the movie and the soundtrack and how it's it's not highly rated in terms of critical review, but it's still become it's still become a classic because of the cast and the music. I'm gonna make a confession, I still have not seen that movie. <laughs> You should see it. I heard that was the first movie I showed up to um, that, that we threw, that we put on. Yeah. Um, but I'd never seen it. I still never see it. But it was because of Dustin that we showed The Room. Showed The Room. And for that, we had... 3540. Out of town, too. It wasn't... Yeah, we had, we had a big turnout, but we had spoons for everyone. So there was... We had coffee, cheesecake... Pizza. We, we threw the birthday party. We threw yeah, Johnny's we, birthday we threw party. Johnny's birthday party. We had um, in hoping that Johnny would show up. He yeah, didn't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, pictures of uh, framed pictures of spoons. Yes. Um, so that was all in the lobby, it's just to create this experience of you are you are part of the room. The room was great, I think, because it not only does did it happen to this kind of strange cult following that the room has gotten since what two thousand three, two thousand four. I think it started getting big. But it also, I think we did it at the right time where the Disaster Artist came out, and so it, it had a little more following. I don't know if we did The Room now, if it would be the same. Maybe it would. Maybe it'd be bigger. I don't know. But I think it was it was a good blend of timing and cultural awareness. Right. Of, I guess, the enigma of Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> well, speaking of The Room... Spoilers. Spoilers. Well, not spoilers. It's, it is public knowledge <laughs> at this spoilers. point in time uh, that Greg Sestero, Sestero is coming to Troy, Ohio at the end of March to show Best, Best Friends. Friends Volume 1. So yes. Greg will be in and he'll be doing a presentation talking about the movie before he screens it. And then... He will be on this he, podcast. And, he, and then the following Saturday, which is March 30th, He'll be doing a workshop that Presenius is co-sponsoring, where he'll be doing a filmmaking workshop, talking about um, his experiences in Hollywood of making making a success as an independent director, producer, writer, and actor. Because he wrote the screenplay, right? He wrote the screenplay for Best Friends. Yes. Um, for those who don't know, Greg Sestero <coughs> plays Mark in the room, and he's in The Disaster Artist. Oh, he, he, wrote, wrote he wrote the disaster yeah, he wrote artist, the book, the disaster yeah, artist about his work with Tommy Wiseau. 
to make the room. And now he's also going to be in Big Shark with Tommy Wiseau. Right. They've, they've Which announced they... <laughs> that that's the next movie is Big Shark. Big Shark. And like, we can only imagine what not Tommy's to... version of the Big Shark. Not would to be. be confused with Sharknado. This is Big Shark. Or or what was the one with Jason Statham? Meg. That oh, just yeah, came Meg. out like last yeah. summer yeah. or two. Yeah. What's with the shark movies all of a sudden? I just I'm just trying to picture There's what Tommy's time. special effects are going to look oh, like. Oh God, I know. I can't I, wait. I, yeah, it's going to be amazing. What if it's like a big reveal at the end and it's actually like all you see the whole movie is this fin and then at the end when the shark goes to attack it's like a poodle dressed up with a I could see Tommy doing something like that. Or like a poodle with a fin on it or a no, platypus. That, that, that's John Waters. I there a huge <laughs> difference. But as as Dustin mentioned, uh, when Greg is in town uh, he has agreed to spend some time with us to record a podcast with us. So a future episode of this podcast, we'll have an interview with Greg Sestero. And I'm going to try to make him as uncomfortable as possible during it. No, well, I'm don't just go kidding. Too I'm uncomfortable. Just... <laughs> He's our, special, our first special guest. I'm just going to do Mark. I'm going to learn every line that he does in the movie and just keep and just keep quoting lines. them. <laughs> See if he likes it or not. So, did, you, did you like this part in the movie? The room. I don't know. We are getting to see Best Friends first, right? Yeah. Okay, because yeah. I don't want to fly in there blind going, hey, Mark, what did you think about making that movie I haven't seen? Yeah, so tell us some great things about this movie that we don't know. I shouldn't call him Mark either. I should call him Greg. Maybe yeah. I will call him Mark the whole time. Oh, hi, Mark. I don't know. Oh, oh hi, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> should I just laugh like that? I'll wear a wig and dress like Tommy the whole time. So, that would be funny. So when we did show The Room... Because um, I get up in front of everyone uh, to introduce the movie, I do tend to dress in costumes related to that movie. He and does I try, not, and I, I it's not it, always it's an attempt. It's, it's an yeah. attempt. <laughs> it's, it's usually appreciated by people. The effort, <laughs> the effort I put in. So for the can room, you please I dress have, like Alfred Hitchcock if we show Alfred Hitchcock in? So that just means like full shave, on shave, my head shave your head to the weird monk thing he had going on suit. Talk like him. I don't do impressions. Come on. That, that's Good one thing evening. I've learned. Right? I don't do impressions. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I can't do the... See? Yeah, I can't do the British. <laughs> but I did dress up as Tommy. I had a, a suit jacket on and cargo pants and a long black wig. Yeah. So We had the dog, too, remember? We had the dog sitting on the desk. Oh, hi yeah. Dog. Oh, hi, dog. doggy. Oh, hi, doggy. Yeah. Yeah. But, so yeah, we're, we are well aware that Greg has done things besides the room and we're going to try to keep, keep up with him versus having him rehash he was the brawny man wasn't he didn't he do the brawny wasn't he the paper towel guy no but he was in one role oh and, and they talk about that in or he tried a disaster artist they, they wanted him to have the beard because he looked like the marlboro man yeah i mean i think he literally i think he was the brawny paper towel guy for a while i don't know we'll have to, we'll have to double check that and anyone out there listening, all those folks out there listening, if you have any questions for Greg, Google, or if you do know, was if Greg, Greg was the, the brawny, brawny man? Let I'm us about know. to find out, right? This or second. Dustin can just Google it and find out. <laughs> brawny, whoops, Brad Pitt, brawny man, paper towels. So was Greg the brawny man? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, he was born in San Francisco. That has nothing to do with the brawny man. Um. Jedi Council Forum has something to do with the, this is Google. Yeah, so we'll look uh, it up and we'll look it up. We'll find it later. I'm pretty sure he was the brawny guy though. So that's the end of section 1 with us introducing ourselves and what we're doing. We'll take a quick break and come back to you with more information on our next with round. Some new songs. Boop, 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 boop. Yeah.
Yeah. <laughs> Public domain songs, though. Public domain songs. I think And welcome back. That was Dustin's introduction to section we two. We need music. Wait, I want to bring up, I want to, I want to connect the last section real fast. All right. That I will be bringing up to Greg Sestero in the interview, just to warn you. Um, he was in a film called Dude Bro Ma- Party Massacre 3 in 2015. Um, it is a, is, and this is a movie you have not screened? I, I have not, and I need to watch it, I think, before, and I'm going to have at least four questions based on this movie. Probably not four, but... Um, Rotten Tomatoes reports that it's that 89% of the nine surveyed critics gave the film a positive review. <laughs> Dude Bro Massacre, directed by... Three. I, I don't know if there's a one or two. I think it's it's just three. It's kind of like Trolls 2, where there's no Trolls 1. So did you find out if it's available to watch anywhere? Uh, I'll look at that later. Well, ask Greg I might to, just do a whole... Th- we can ask Greg to send us a copy. <laughs> I want does, to see Dude Bro Party Massacre And if he doesn't, we, we know that it's not a movie to be seen. It's, it's literally... It's a story of a masked killer known as Motherface... Who targets fraternity brothers, which is kind of interesting because it it's kind of um, subverting the whole '80s slasher tropes of killing, I guess, sorority girls. But haven't we done that already? Yes. Haven't we done everything already, Tim? I don't know. Nope. Guess not. Well, we have now. Do bro, Massacre <laughs> Three. We should screen it. Well, I just know that you've talked about um, that Scream was the the first one that was. Counter programming to the slasher movies. Well, maybe not the first, but it was self-aware. Okay, they all kind of started to parody themselves towards the end of the eighties. And the slasher movie, I, I could do a whole podcast on the slasher movie, but well, the, I'm thinking of the whole season. We, pro- we probably will <laughs> seasons. Uh, the, but the slasher movie was such a like limited time frame where it was popular in our culture, which was basically just the eighties, and they got so out of control towards the end with like Freddy's dream child and all that stuff where they almost parodied themselves. So it was scream in the nineties where a lot of critics look and say that was the last slasher film, which I argue that's not actually true, but um, that, yeah, it was kind of parodying the whole thing and being self-aware that it, what the audience was going to see. But this definitely looks, obviously it was not the last slasher film because in 2015 dude, bro massacre three came out. They're still making them. Also, he wrote a sequel to Home Alone. Well, but in reading, which I also wrote a sequel to Home Alone. Well, in, in reading really. the Disaster Artist <laughs> book, and he talks about him writing a sequel. It wasn't he. He did write it as a, I think, an early teenager, based on seeing the movie, and he did send the script to John Hughes. Oh, it got further than my script of Home Alone yeah. too. And, and he got a response back from John Hughes. It might have been better than Home Alone three. I don't think I ever saw three. No, three with Trump in it, or is that two? That's two. Okay. Um, Three is the one where it's a completely different cast. I think it went straight to video. Ah. Which slasher movies did a lot too. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say about Greg Sister right now. Until our, probably not, but until our, (laughs) (laughs) until I watch this movie. Or Trolls Two. So, so Dustin has things he wants to talk about in this section, but I'm not quite. All all he has written on our note cards is main topic. This is the main topic today, and so I was. I'm not privy to what main topic means. So so yesterday, I forgot to tell you this story, real fast. Um, This I met this man yesterday. I don't know who he was. He might have been a time traveler. I don't know. He was definitely high. Um, 
And he came into the restaurant and he said, started saying things like, oh man, it's like that one movie that that one guy's in. Literally, that was the quote. And I and just stared know, at him. Did you, did you know which, which movie he meant? Based, no, based I think he was trying to make a point. I literally just went, Ryan Reynolds. And it stopped. He said, what? I said, Ryan Reynolds was in that movie. And he goes, no, I don't think I said no, Ryan Reynolds was. So, <laughs> that was that was divert. Anyway, so what I would like to talk about today, because Tim and I have very, very differing views on this. Maybe not so differing. We'll get into it. And I will rant about these films till the end of my life. And he does. And that is the Marvel film. Marvel and Disney. Disney together. Two... Two brands that I used to enjoy back in my day. There are good Disney movies. I, I don't know where they are anymore. There are good Marvel movies. I definitely don't know where they are anymore. Um, I would point to... Where so, do you... Well, okay, so Tim loves Marvel movies. Well, I don't say love. But I, will, I will pay money to go see the Marvel movies in the theaters. Tim... Because I think they need to be seen on the big screen. And they are pop, they are popcorn they are popcorn movies. He's got the popcorn. What'd you call them? Slushy popcorn movies. Grinders. Popcorn grinders. Yeah. <laughs> That's our new phrase. Popcorn grinder movies. Um, and so I have serious questions for Tim about the Marvel movies and why he loves them. Tim, why do you love them? Because they're popcorn movies. <laughs> yeah, but there's there's the their escapism. Um, the, so is I, Fast and Furious, but you don't go and watch those. The, the, those are two. Too ba- well, not anymore. Those originally were initially, initially were too based in reality for me, for me to be enjoy them. It's guys racing around in cars. I see that every day. In- yeah, but it took like twenty minutes to go a quarter of a mile. So I argue, not really too much, <laughs> not too much reality there. It, it's it, it, for me that was just a video game come to life for best years, and I don't play video games. So if I don't play video games, why would I want to go see a movie about something that I don't But aren't know. Marvel movies kind of video games? They even look like no, video Marvel games. No, Marvel movies are comic books. They even look like video games. Yeah, but they're, they're based on comic books. They look like comic books. I have some video games that look better than Marvel movies with all the money they dump into them. So as we have talked about, I'm not saying that they are, they're worthy of being enshrined with Oscars. but They are now, though. Well, that's true. Well, at least nominated. <laughs> I go, as I said, to escape and have some a few hours of just walk out of the theater smiling, having a good time. Marvel movies do that for me. I, I don't overthink them. Um, I you know what's Marvel, funny? Marvel does a nice job of balancing some comic relief with the DC movies. Oh, they try to do comic, funny. and it's just yeah. it's not funny. Yeah, the funny. But um, um, Tony Stark. I I like I yeah, like but, I, I like Tony Stark better than like than I like um, Bruce Wayne. Do you know what's interesting though, is that every person I talk to that likes modern I'm gonna start calling it modern Marvel movies. Um, they all reference that. I talked to someone yesterday, a colleague of mine. And he was talking about Marvel movies because everyone's got to talk about these things, and um, he literally said the reason I love Marvel movies. Is that before the movie, I don't have to think about it. During the movie, I don't have to think about it. And he goes, and then I in, I leave the movie, and I'm still not thinking about it. I just feel like there's better things I could do with my time. But I, you know what? I wouldn't even have a big I wouldn't even have a big deal with Marvel movies if they weren't long. Now they're so long. If they were an hour and twenty minutes, 
I would say great. Like you went, you saw him beat some CGI aliens up. You went to Buffalo Wild Wings after and had a cold brewski, <laughs> had a BL, and uh, went about your day. But you go and see like Avengers Part Seven, Infinity Brothers, and it's two hours and forty five minutes, and it gets to the middle where they have to start talking about some movie that hasn't happened yet or even started filming yet and it's like it gets so the storylines for what they are are so muddled i think like they get so muddled for something that everyone's like oh i shut my brain off well you have to shut your brain off because it makes no sense well but as a you're a writer you're a storyteller i know it drives me nuts well but you also you should also appreciate what they've been able to pull off across 19 movies Eh. that they're able to to bring things together and then spin off in different directions with different characters with their own movies, and then bring them that comes back into play. So it does seem like they do a, a they do have a big master plan of where they are taking these characters. But some of it's sloppily done. What I think do you say? I think they are making up as they go. They were making up as they went along, and I think now that we're getting close to the end of phase one or whatever they're calling it, yeah. that I think they're trying. They might be trying too hard to tie up a bunch of loose ends they never tried they didn't anticipate tying together before what's your what's your favorite well not favorite but what do you think is the best Marvel movie Iron Man 1 I'd agree Iron Man 1's good because one they that was so different and it was so unexpected it was we had had seen Hulk 1 and Hulk 2 ooh that Ang Lee one that was originality there yeah but it wasn't good no, and I would say early Marvel when it was it, it still. I, I never, I'm not a big Hulk fan anyway. I don't get the character. Does I was really excited about that movie, I don't and then I went before. to see it, and uh, because when that came out, I remember the CGI was at that level where it almost looked realistic, and so the Hulk. I mean, it all looked pretty cool because before that you had 1970s Hulk, where it's just uh, the actor Lou Frigno. It? Yeah, Lou Frigno, which scared me as a child. But um, I've seen him in person. He's still scary. Yeah, he didn't age really. I think he's a robot. He could be. Um, well, he'd be an android, right? Yes, cyber cybernetic. Or is he clone? Cyberdyne system. He might be. Anyway, I went. I remember going to see that movie, and it was so bad. It was one of those movies. I don't walk out of movies really because they're so expensive to go see. Um, but I remember sitting through that, and it was long. I remember it being over two hours. But it did something. I mean, it was different visually than what. I mean, now they're so cookie cutter. And Disney plays it safe because it's a money machine, obviously. Um, but I feel like those early ones, as bad as some of them were, especially like Daredevil, they did try different stuff. It wasn't just this cut and dry. Now it's like you know you're getting into when you go see a Marvel movie. Which some people would argue is a good thing because then it's it's like watching The Walking Dead every season. Yeah, you don't you don't have to think. So what would you say? So Iron Man one, I would agree is a good. I liked Iron Man two though as well, and I don't know why people yell about Iron Man two. I think it's good. Yeah, it's good, and it's a good sequel. Um, I liked Tony Stark's character in that movie and how he's dealing with alcoholism. And Iron Man three was awful. Which one was three? The one where it was like him and that little kid wandering around the mountains and he was like MacGyvering things the whole time. And at the end, there were just suits flying and 
Oh, she breathes fire. Oh, was that when the the, the Mandarin was the, yeah, a drunk the, guy? The, the, the people glow red. Oh when god, they're... yeah, it was terrible. It was so. But that was right when Disney took it over, right? But Disney had it all along. They didn't have the oh, first they one. Didn't. They didn't have it, did they? Mm-hmm. Or the second one, I think. I think they bought it right after the second. I don't know. Anyway, Iron Man one. All right. Um, what's your favorite now? The Disney World. <laughs> Not um, Disney World. Well, soon to be Disney World. I didn't like Avengers 1 because it used the portal with squiggly aliens coming out of it. Yeah, it's every movie now. Every, that's, that's, that's my peeve is every movie is like, let's bring in aliens from a different dimension and then all these squiggly spirally metal things. Like, yes. We, uh, go back to any movie and that's it's like, it, why do aliens have to look like that? And why do aliens have to come from a different portal, a different dimension? <laughs> um, they should just come down from space like good old Independence Day. Or, or um, Mars Smith attacks. punches them in the... Huh? Or Mars attacks. Yeah, Mars attacks, yeah. Yeah. But, um, so I don't like, I don't like the Avengers movies. Um, just Those are like the pinnacle, though, for Marvel but, fans. But, oh, the Avengers. Well, uh, Ultron, Age of Ultron, didn't really... I, as, as we've talked about in the past, I like... I like villains I can not relate to, but I feel I can feel a sense of. Um, the same, but they're trying that, that. That, that, that. That if you are really into the movie, you could see that the aliens might the the bad guys might win. They're trying that now though with like Black Panther had, uh, what's his name? Who's the bad guy in Black Panther? I, I only saw it once. Yeah, Death Kill once or whatever. Yeah. Um, Someone hearing this is gonna scream. Ah, it's what's his name? Um, <laughs> they try. They're trying that with that. They tried it with Thanos, where he's you're supposed to empathize with him, and I, I, it only works to a certain level where it starts to get questionable morally, where you're supposed to identify with these people that are like murdering. Well, I'm not saying necessarily identify, but to completely change. So what? What am? One the, of my the Joker in in the second Batman movie, I think that still is the, the the best movie that's out there, because I could I could well he was an to, actual threat yeah he's an actual threat that's what I mean is is an actual threat versus in one and three that's the mysterious guild of Ra's al Ghul yeah them yeah I never felt the, League they, of Shadows I, I didn't care that I didn't actually feel they were gonna destroy Gotham now Just, the other thing that I'd say with the villain I mean you'd I forget who said it, um, but when you start writing, you should focus on your villain because that's kind of what makes the heroes struggle. Because if you have a terrible villain, the heroes struggle. And that's I get what you're saying because it's like some of these n- new Marvel movies where you have CGI space creatures coming down and arm in droves. It it draws you out from the movie and the reality of the movie, whereas you're you're no longer feeling. As if there's a threat, it's all stylized, right? And that's part of the reason I don't like them because I don't feel anything. I don't when I watch them. I shrug at the end and go, "That was neat." Like I don't, and I don't want to go to a two and a half, two hour, forty five minute long movie, three hours with the previews, right? And, and watch a video game that I'm not playing. I could see that. Now, Dark Knight works because, A, the movie's good, for one. Um, but there is legitimate threat in it, and it's about... 
And this is where some of the early superhero movies, it, and like Batman, like Tim Burton's Batman, wasn't about, oh, I'm going to take over the world and destroy. And DC falls into this trap where there's always lasers shooting out of the sky and destroying the CGI world, and there's buildings <laughs> collapsing. And it's so unrealistic for the viewer that you're taken out of it, whereas when you just base it in a struggle between the protagonist and antagonist, it, it draws the viewers in more, and it, you feel more of the tension, I think. And that's why I... And then you start throwing humor in. Like, I'm not saying there shouldn't be humor, but the type of humor they throw in is just kind of awkward, goofy humor. Not goofy the character, but like... Right. Because the third Batman, that was Dark Knight Returns, right? Rises. Right, Dark Knight Rises. Um, there's no humor in that movie. It's just... It's just, it's just no, but it's supposed to be... But Nolan's Batman's different. I understand that. But having two and a half hour, hours of movie just beating you up for emotional depression, it's no different than <laughs> Florida Project or 8th grade. Project or what? <laughs> or 8th grade. 8th grade. Yeah, but those are different. Those are different. Those are also not three hour long movies. Like, you, you don't if want Florida to... Project was three hours long, I'd be like, this is it's a bit excessive. So I remember... When Star Wars Episode Four first came out, which back then was just Star Wars, right? But you have to, you can't, just say, you can't say Star Wars <laughs> no. One. It's a New is Hope that, is it Volume One, Episode One. It's a New Hope. Yeah. So anyway, but I remember seeing that when it came out in the theaters after the remake. Oh, the um, special well, edition. Special edition. I saw them in the theaters too. Right. So driving home after seeing that movie at night, you felt like you were driving. You're flying in an X-wing fighter, going through the the tunnel of the Death Star. Um, you you walked out of that movie feeling like you had been you spent two hours in that world. Did you like the CGI in it? No. Oh, okay. No, because I, I saw the original. Right. I, I saw the original when it came out in '77. I was thirteen. Some of the CGI I agreed with, even at I think I went and saw it as in seventh grade. Um, I felt I felt his his CGI ruined the movies. The, the CGI during the Death Star finale I felt was all right. Um, the CGI on like Moss Eisley was awful. Yeah. The extra Jabba the Hut scene makes no sense to any of the story. Um, and then Boba Fett breaking the fourth wall scene, but this has all been hashed over by nerds across the internet. <laughs> But I get what you're saying. In Star Wars, and we could do a whole so freaking I, I, episode on Star Wars, but yeah. so but but basically, in, in in summary, walking out of the Marvel movies, I felt I feel like I've been in that world. Ugh, I don't for a couple hours. When I walk out of the DC movies, I just feel depressed and dirty. So okay, other than the spectacle, let's say narrative wise, uh, because I'm big on narrative. How do you feel? And I was talking to this colleague of mine yesterday about this and he and this actually fascinates him because he's in he's in the creative writing track so he's more of a writer um and he said what fascinates him about the marvel movies especially the modern marvel movies is how they will throw things in to the film that bears no that has no reference to that actual film it's literally just there to advertise another film that's not even being made yet and i thought this is interesting because that's why i hate it a but b there's a couple things it's almost like product placement in michael bay movies 
but it's product placement for future Disney movies. So it's so distracting because you know, and DC does the same thing. They did the same thing in not the, Justice League was good, but there's like this <laughs> 10 minute scene where Aquaman goes down to Atlantis and it has this discussion that has no bearing on anything that's going on. And everyone in the audience is supposed to shrug and go, yeah, we'll probably figure that out in three years. Because it, it sets the stage for them making the Aquaman movie. But that's not how you write a good movie. Right. Like, that is, that's, I blame, and this is my theory, I blame TV for influencing, because TV's episodic, and now they're kind of trying to do that, where it's, but I guess comic books were as well. Yeah. But I, I never got deep into comic books enough to say, were comic books throwing in random characters just to be like, yeah, episode 37 we're going to explain why mary jane fell out of this window and impaled herself but that's not important right now because i was talking to some comic book artists and they were looking at the overall arc of how comics work and you have story a b and c so a is the primary story we covered a few episodes a few a few issues and then a wraps up and we introduced b already so b becomes story a and you mentioned a character or shown a character or some story part, some, some, some sub story as plot C, which as you wrap up the original A, B becomes A, C becomes B. So you always have two stories ahead working in your books to keep people buying the next issue. So yeah. they're, they're doing the same thing with these movies. I mean, I, I went to go see Black Panther because I, I knew I needed to see Black Panther in order to for... Um, Infinity Wars to make sense. So they, they've hooked me that's in. That's how they get you right, guys. They, they've hooked me in because if, if you miss a movie... I don't fall for that stuff. <laughs> however, I haven't fallen for it with DC. Yeah, how not? Same stuff. I, I don't, I, it's just Batman not... Batman Superman, that was such a stupid movie. Yeah, it was. Um, and so if, if it's such a stupid movie that I get disinterested, I'm not going to come back and watch... But some of those Marvel movies are stupid. But the I last like, Spider-Man like was terrible, but everyone seemed to like it. I'm like, oh I yeah. I don't think I saw that one. It, no, I mean, I, I guess I think people I saw the liked trailer it. And I felt, I think, I think I felt like I'd seen the movie by seeing the trailer. Yeah, and they were doing the thing where they're throwing stuff in that you're like, I, what is this? I don't know. But then the, the problem I had with the last Spider-Man is a he was so young I couldn't identify, and I get, I get that a lot of this stuff, especially like the new Star Wars, is not written for me anymore, which I don't, I'm not gonna go see them anymore. I haven't gone seen a Star Wars movie now in a while, um, but. The last Spider-Man was so overloaded with that awkward humor that wasn't funny. It wasn't Spider-Man to me because the Spider-Man that I grew up with was a darker Spider-Man uh, where he was dealing with adult issues and being Peter Parker. But at the same time, his life literally sucked because he had to go fight crime all the time. Right. And that was the point of Spider-Man. But this new Spider-Man was like celebrating i'm spider-man and it's great and that was never and i'm I, the avenger and give me all this I yeah all the cool t- guys tony stark is my father figure which tony stark's arguably the best marvel character right now or has been that's the only one that keeps pushing these things once robert downey jr falls out it's gonna be rough it'll be interesting to see because yeah it's he has made those movies because right. the ones that he's not in aren't i mean i don't like captain america character i don't like yeah thor those movies yeah. are yeah but they made Thor funny, which I guess okay. I mean, that's eh. he has he has gotten funnier, but the last Thor movie I I thought Ragnarok. was yeah that that could have gone straight to DVD. For Everyone loved that though because it was funny. That's what they told me. It was funny. 
It was all I right. Said, was, is that why I wanted to go see it? A comedy? Of I, I didn't walk out of that feeling. Like, I, I, I walked out going, I'd seen the movie. I didn't walk out feeling happy. Now, Jeff Goldblum's in it, and Jeff Goldblum is my favorite person. Even though he's becoming a caricature That's of why I love yeah. him, I think. <laughs> I think every actor should just become a caricature of themselves. Tom Hanks is, but oh. he doesn't know it yet. <laughs> Don't listen to this, Tom Hanks. You should come on our show. <laughs> He'll be yelling at us the whole time. That'd be hilarious. We'll get the so, yeah, so what I'm saying is that you're all right with... Are we getting a camera for Tom Hanks? Is that what you said? No, we'll get a couch for him. Oh, we got a couch. So we can jump on the couch oh, and yell at us. <laughs> That's Tom Cruise. Oh, I do want right. Tom Cruise. I do want Tom Cruise to come on the show, um, but maybe not because Illuminati, uh, Scientology. Yeah. So what you're telling me is you are okay with them throwing in random references because that is like comic books. Yes. I just don't feel they mirror comic books. So so like they should. Some information about me again. I enjoy comic books, but more as a creator than a fan. So. One of the things I do work with with my art is making my own comic strips and comic characters. Um, I'm still pretty much stuck in stickman mode. <laughs> but I, I do, most of the books I read about comics are how to dissect comic books. So like you do with films, I do with comic books. So I don't, the comic books I read are not the Marvel or DC comic books. You do graphic novels? Yeah, or graphic novels. I like graphic novels. Um, so I enjoy them for their art. There's there are a few that I'll, I'll start reading, and if the story doesn't grab me and the artwork doesn't grab me, I'll put them away. But most of them I will finish through just because either the story or the artwork captures me. Um, yeah, but graphic novels don't do the... I mean, the ones I've read, they don't do the thing where all of a sudden... It's not like in Watchmen, all of a sudden some random character pops up and they're like, Oh, yeah! I forgot that I have to go to Mars and fight you in three issues. Like, they don't do that because the, the graphic novel's contained within one story. So I will admit that I am more of a fan of the comic strips that you don't, you know, it's the like you see in the newspaper or the Sunday comics where it's a standalone story in three to nine panels. It's the same characters, but the story doesn't have to go sequential. Yeah. And they can throw random characters in because... They may or may not ever reappear. Um, but that being said, there are also graphic novels I read that are that tell the whole story through many, many, many pages. So I, I'm kind of, I, I know I'm contradicting myself several times, <laughs> but um, so I, I, yeah, it's, it's the humor and the levity that are in <clears throat> the Marvel. The DC is just, it's. They're trying the humor, but they're, it's not working. It's well. not working. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why it's not. I don't know why their characters aren't catching. What's well, like comedians can do make drama movies, but people who are dramatic actors or actresses can't make comedies. I think DC they can't name one of dramatic actors. They go they go into comedy and are successful. Oh, it's successful. Kevin Hart. <laughs> was he a dramatic actor i think he was always... i mean i mean you can have though usually i'm trying to think i mean usually if you have a dramatic actor going into a comedy they're usually playing like the straight guy right 
And so, like, you have movies. Like, Robert Downey. I love Robert Downey Jr. So, Robert Downey Jr. in Due Date, for instance, where he's the straight guy, but he's... It's funny. But then he did something like Tropic Thunder, where he's... Way over the top. Yeah, he's way over the top. So, I think they can transition. But it's Robert Downey Jr., so that's well, not... But, but he started off in John Saturday Hughes Night Live. Well, and also John Hughes comedies. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, John Hughes. Yeah, because yeah, he was in uh, Weird Science, right? Yep. Weird Science, yeah. And so was, um, oh no, what's the actor's name that was in Vacation? Yeah, he was Russ. Yeah. yeah, and then he became a veterinarian, I think. He yeah. quit Hollywood and he moved to like Wisconsin or something. Huh. He's a, yeah, he's like a, um, he was a in, bovine uh, vet. club as well. Yeah. Yeah. He must have made his money and got out. That's the dream right there. Go to Hollywood, make your money, get out. Isn't that pretty much the dream of every job? Is making money. <laughs> yeah, that, that is can, the dream. You can buy Ranch in Montana. Except for this people. podcast, Tim. Well, this, yeah, this is... This is make the money and keep making the money. Forever and ever forever and ever. and ever and ever. Yeah. That's 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 the magic of podcasting and the internet. You live on forever. That's why Until the internet art. doesn't exist. Right. We will just sink into the internet one day, and that'll be that. Well, I made a... Um, it's on my Instagram, my personal Instagram. I made a... One night, I was... Doodling. I don't want to know this, I don't think. And oh, it's okay. Oh, okay. It's okay. Safe for work. It's safe for work. <laughs> and I made a doodle and it was and I predicted the day the internet died. What day is that? It is December right 9th, 20 No, it is July 18th, 2023. Dang. Is the day great. the internet will die. Did that just come to you? Yes. In a vision? It did. Uh-oh. So, July 18th, 2023, we'll And the, everyone will put their phones down. And start talking to each other. They won't know. They won't know how to talk at that point in time. They don't know how to talk now. It'll be even worse then, because it's know. four years away. Yeah, it'll be awesome to watch from the roof of the Mayflower or wherever we are. People just start running into each other. Like, oh, there's other people here. Yeah, they're always here, but usually you're on your phone running into the back of their car. Right. The day the internet died. That's interesting. So, if you're listening to podcasts. Just make sure you have them all listened to by July 17th. Because the 18th minute will be dead and you won't have access to the podcast anymore. You'll have to come and watch us do this show live. We'll be on tour then. We'll be on <laughs> We're scheduling tour dates We're scheduling now. tour dates. So July 19th, 2023, we'll be live in concert. We'll be live somewhere. Somewhere. So of course by then... If the internet is dead, people can't watch Netflix or Amazon Prime. They'll have to come to us to watch a movie in to person. To watch a movie, I like this idea. Yeah, I like it. Maybe we'll kill the internet. Well, but at that point in time, if all the theaters are DCP, they'll definitely have to come to us. Well, but they can't stream. You can't stream movies in to watch them anymore. They'll just have to use our library, and we will educate them Ooh. on the greatness of these films. So what's the first movie you're going to show after the internet dies? Oh, my gosh. Um, the internet dies. I'm going to show... And this is, uh, this is, is also this a full theater? Something better might come out in the next four years, but as yeah, of now... Um, the internet died, and I am going to show... <laughs> um, oh, no. There's so many movies that just went through my brain. Um, I'm going to show Jurassic Park. Because? I love Jurassic Park. What movie are you showing? <laughs> that was my answer. Literally, you had that vision, and I had a vision of me standing in front of a screen going, 
welcome to Jurassic Park. And everyone and all the young people, because they'll be so young then, they'll go, like that one movie that Jimmy Buffett was in? Since you brought up Jimmy Buffett earlier. Yeah. Um, and I'll say, no, no not that no, one. Not that one. This one is the original one. And they're going to look at the CGI effects and go, that looks real. And I'll go, yes. And this was from 1993. And then I'll spend the next eight hours picking apart all the stupid Stop it, things, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. <laughs> I will promptly then murder Tim, and our tour will be over. But there's no internet, so you won't be able to trace my DNA, and I will leave on a ship. <laughs> with to, Jurassic to, Park. To an island. To an island with, off with, the coast with, of Costa Rica. With that, with that soundtrack blaring on the speakers yes. as you sail away. Yes. Okay. What movie are you showing? Obviously, Avengers 7. Avengers 7 or Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? Why? Are you boring them to tears? I'm trying to entertain them at first and bring them into it slowly. You're going straight for boredom. That I don't not... even like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. You should. There's so Ugh. much amazing stuff in that movie. Ugh. The guy that Besides played the, the nutty professor. Dick Van Dyke? Is he in that? Yeah. I'm thinking of Herbie the Love Bug. Oh, the way different, <laughs> way different than Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. A Herbie the Love Bug was boring to me. So, yeah. So, first of all... I think it's like the apple dumpling game. Either the director or producer of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was Chubb Broccoli. Who? Chubb? Chubb Broccoli. Is who... he still alive? Can we get him on the show? So Chubb Broccoli is the person behind the James Bond movies. Albert? No. If you look up Chubb Broccoli, look him up. On, on your, yeah, on but your I thought that was Albert. Is that his like, pseudonym? Is Chubb? I think it's Chubb Broccoli. So that was his venture into trying to make comedies. Chubb. To maintain Chubb-a-lub. his... His I cannot. There's nothing on Chubb Broccoli. Hold on. I'm going to the Google. Go to the Google. This won't happen once uh, the internet dies. Exactly. Folks. What will people do without the Chubb? I think you made this character up. Chubb, the Chubb and Broccoli Cheddar Soup. How do you spell Chubb? Albert S. Broccoli was James Bond. Should I just look up Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? Yeah. Just look up Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Chitty but, Chitty Bang so, Bang Candy And then it, the music was done by the Sherman Brothers, who wrote the music for a lot of the Disney movies, including Mary Poppins. Which Ian is, Fleming. But Broccoli's in there somewhere. Ian Fleming wrote it, though. Right. Broccoli probably produced it, because he that produced be. the James Bond movies. Okay. So anyway, but that was them trying to expand their cinematic offerings besides the James Bond movies. Ian Fleming wrote Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? See, now you're going to like it now, don't you? I'm not going to like it, because I'm not. I mean, I like a couple of James Bond movies. But it starts bringing in some more um, cinematic significance to the movie. Does it? Yes. It has it has real credentials and real people in it. It was shot in 70mm, which is strange. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm looking at this picture right now of Dick Van Dyke in this stupid car with his stupid goggles on his head. And there's like little children waving, and I just don't. It. This is post Mary Poppins, right? Sixty eight. Yeah, right after. Because Poppins. So he was, was riding on that Poppins fame. Yeah. Was he playing a British character in this again? No. No. He looks British in this for some reason. Well, it is placed in. It, it is placed in England, I think, but I don't think he's using his bad accent. Oh yeah. Oh, Roald Dahl wrote the screenplay? What is this movie? <laughs> can we just screen this movie at, at, so I, have, I can watch it and criticize it? I'll let you borrow my DVD. I've no, read, I don't want to watch it at me. home. I'm just, 
I don't have time for that. So, I gotta watch Bro Massacre Party Three, <laughs> Part Seven. Well, but part of it is because I saw Chitty Chitty Bang Bang in the theaters when I was a young kid. Oh yeah. Well, that's me and Jurassic for the same for the same thing that I, oh, I am connected with um, Chili, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Um, whichever yeah, the first Willy with the, the Gene Wilder one. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, so you have that same experience with Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park. Because how old-ish were you when you saw that? I was in third grade. Yeah. And so. it blew my little third grade mind. Yeah. But I still like it. I like it. It's a, it's a good film. Aside from the floating T-Rex, but we can argue about that this summer. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, but it's still a good... I mean, and, it, and you talk about popcorn grinders. Like, it is an, a movie that's made for entertainment... Uh, block summer blockbuster which spielberg created the summer blockbuster um but it still has other merits that you can look at in terms of film studies like how how not to do continuity there's continuity what are you talking about the floating the floating tyrant no that's a that's a spielberg goof there's a spielberg goof in every spielberg movie Every Spielberg movie, you can pick out Spielberg goofs. Okay, he's he's just not. <laughs> he he just doesn't care. He's no it's Kubrick. A detail he's no it. Kubrick. Where he's <laughs> gonna count the number of pencils on the table or something like that. It's, um, but it's Spielberg for me. There's like Spielberg is love. It's a literal love hate relationship. I either love Spielberg or I look at it and go, "Come on, man, what was that?" Um, Especially his more recent stuff. But you like, do have to admit, he is a master at manipulating the story and your emotions. Movies is manipulating. Yeah, but he's emotions. a master at it. He he can he can he he can maybe he can take you on whatever ride he wants you to. That's good. But see, that takes me out of the movie because I feel like I'm being manip- I'm being I'm being so heavily manipulated. So you, I'm starting to get you in my crosshairs here. So you want to go to a Marvel <laughs> film and stare blankly with popcorn drool running out of your mouth and not think anything. But not go to a movie where you feel emotions. Go to Marvel film. I got it now. No emotions whatsoever. No, it's not. It's not no emotions. It's it's escapism. It, it's it, and eighth grade. I enjoyed that movie. And eighth grade's a great movie. It, it, and it, come to it, see eighth grade, by the way. Yeah, eighth grade. We're showing it um, April, in April, early uh, April, April in Troy, Ohio. Yeah. Um, I watched it, and it made me feel uncomfortable. Good. Which, which it's supposed to, right? And and, and I felt that, that was, it was very successful in that. It did a great job of of telling the story of somebody at that age and what it's like to be trying to survive in today's culture and society with the pressures of social media and everything else on top heaped on top of them. Versus when I was in eighth grade, I I don't remember. I mean, it was we didn't have any of those things to have to deal with. The, the internet no, wasn't but, around then. <clears throat> we didn't have calculators at that point in time. But even so, I think that film, at least for me, speaks to kind of a universal truth about that time in your life. And Re- regardless of the social media, there's still there's still a commentary on social standing and group politics that everyone deals with. When they're 13 years old. Well, they old. deal when they're 13, 23, 33, right. and No matter how old you are, you're always dealing with those, those Which issues. is the beauty of that movie that right. me as a 
30-something male can connect to a movie about an eighth grade girl with social media. And even when I was in eighth grade, like the internet was starting, like we were still doing instant messenger, which was, but we didn't deal with the level of trying to fit in, trying to fit in in this like new cyber type environment where navigating as an adult is even tricky with what you can say and what your appearance is. Right. To the, because you have an internet appearance, you have a public appearance and it's, so trying to navigate that as someone trying to find their identity and trying to find like their peers and there is must be even greater than what we dealt with, I would say. Yeah. I mean, you still do it, but then it's like you have this whole other realm that you have to try to be popular or someone's going to... But is it also easier because you can now find people, it's easier to find people like you that have I don't interests. think it is. I don't okay. think it is easier. I think it's. I think it's harder. I think it's actually... This is probably a topic for another day, but I think it's actually made people... Because we talked about people can't talk to each other when the internet dies. And I think that's... Me watching friends who are on dating apps, for instance, it seems like they struggle harder than just going out and trying to meet people. They put all their effort on the dating apps? But it's almost so isolated and shallow that you don't end up actually dating. It's them, like, just scrolling and, like... Super you, superficially judging people and then not ever talking to them. Or they do, and it's so awkward, the conversations I've seen. These are the people I know. I'm obviously generalizing from people I know. I'm sure there's plenty of people out there having great success with but dating. But you, you've said you've seen people on dates. Oh, tons, who, and they're who awkward. They don't even spend time talking no. to each other. They're on their phones. And they don't know how to talk to each other. And those are first dates? They're on their first date? Maybe first, second, yeah. And they're, they don't interact and at all. And that's the internet. Yeah. But you've created this persona of yourself on the internet that is not yourself in real life. So how do you keep that up as an eighth grader? Right. And then in the, you know, in the movie, but, it shows but, her trying to follow celebrities and all that, and they're not real either. They're not right. real to begin with, but unless you and I were going out and buying People magazines or watching Entertainment Tonight, I mean, the celebrity, we had to seek it out. It wasn't constant. Let's see what. Tom Cruise is doing today on Instagram. I don't know. Is Tom Cruise on Instagram? I'm sure. Know. I'm sure he does. Somebody probably runs it for him. Yeah. But. Or, or Kim Kardashian is one that's a constant post because she makes money on it. Right. So when you're growing up, were you a geek? Were you the oh. cool in the cool crowd? Which, which we crowd were you get into in? me growing up. Um, you don't have to reveal too much, but it's more of the. I I, think I was that, always as I. I was always kind of there. But did you have people that you went to school with that you connected with? I had friends in like every social group, but they weren't. I never had, I was never this person that had needed 50 friends. I always felt one or two is good. Right. But then I had decent acquaintances. So if I had different classes that my one and two friends weren't in, I could still get along with people. But I've always been, from the earliest age, I watch first before and I judge uh, so, like, when I was in kindergarten, my parents told me that the teacher told them that I would sit, and instead of going and, like, joining in with the other group, I would watch which groups first right. and then go in, which makes sense now because writing and stuff like that, you watch people. Right. And, I, and I love watching right. how people interact with each other. But it also is easier to gauge what situation you're getting into. And I've always been that way where I'll sit and kind of watch who these people are before I'm just like, hey, and I know there's people that just run into a room and they're like, right. 
everyone's great and everything's great and i've never because people are shallow people are but my worldview is a little more pessimistic than some so i think people are not good so i have to find the good people that i want to hang out with (laughs) so i I think where i was going with that was if you are an outsider but i got i got in, in a small town today yeah it's easier to go online and find other people who are into anime or something yeah. that you can find something because if, if you're at school and you're into something that no one else is you feel like complete but maybe not because i was so when i when i entered seventh grade which was kind of a rough time for me because i switched schools and that's right when you know puberty and all that awkward stuff starts um, we switched to school and I knew some of the guys cause I had played basketball in the summer with them, but they were in that like jock realm right. that I never was in, even though I liked, I could play sports, but I didn't fit in you with that. Live, you didn't live for it. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't watch it on TV. I liked playing it, but that was about it for yeah. exercise. And, um, but that summer I found George Lucas's classic film, Star Wars. And so I started getting into Star Wars and they started publishing the novels and I started reading the novels and reading the novels. Well, um, I got, I showed up the first day and it was like homeroom or something awful and I was feeling sick and I was sitting there reading my Star Wars novel and I noticed another guy reading the same novel, which made me mad because I thought I was special. (laughs) And then I was like, who's this guy reading a Star Wars novel? Because Star Wars wasn't the huge thing it is now. We got bullied right. for a while because we like Star Wars because it's still kind of a nerd thing. Um, but we ended up talking to each other about Star Wars and we like formed our own group and like we're best friends to this day. Um, we're not, we don't sit and talk about Star Wars anymore, <laughs> but uh, but that's how we bonded. And right. we like, that's how our friendship and we had other friends. So it, yes and no, you had to talk to people. Now, now I guess I would I don't just, would I have ever I would have just sat and looked at my own special you would have found internet people. group yeah, yeah, and okay. not talked to him about right because then we started sharing like oh this book's good this book's good you know why do you like this movie this movie we'd go see the movie when they came out we went and saw episode one which killed it for us um, that was the day Star Wars died <laughs> for us um, which was good because we went into high school and we kind of dropped it and we we kind of shed that. Oh, Star Wars geeks thing yeah. that we got made fun of in middle school, but um, so I don't think it is. I think you find it. You know, it's even like we watched Dazed and Confused, where they were kind of in. You're always in your different groups, and it's based right. on social. So, but if you're in a small town, I think it's, even it's in hard. Small it's towns, hard to find. I was in the middle of a cornfield, and I found and someone found that loved somebody. Star Wars. Yeah, they are out there, but they're out there, and uh, that's how bands. You know, and then we got into music, and we formed a band, a high school band, which probably was garbage but we thought we were awesome um it's just it's movies movies are a thing we would talk about movies and we love terminator 2 for some reason that was a big (laughs) i remember we used he had this uh one of those little like traveler tvs with the vcr that was attached um and for some reason we we would i would go to his house and we would both get a two liter of verners and drink the verners and sit and watch Terminator 2. We watched Terminator 2, I don't know how many times. We could, like, recite it. I can't, I'm not a big Terminator 2 fan now, but in eighth grade. So, for, for folks who don't know what Verner's is, Verner's is ginger ale. Ginger. It's, it's not alcohol. They weren't sitting around <laughs> no, we two, weren't. Liter, two liter of beer watching Terminator 2 we in had eighth a little, grade. little vodka poured in. 
Um, we also watched on that same TV just uh, the Blair Witch Project when it came out, and the Blair Witch Project scared us to death because we watched it in his like horse barn because he had all these horses. And it was me and like three other people, and we had this little TV, and we were all crowded around this like 13 inch screen. Like we could not move. It was terrifying because we still thought it was real. And then we went out in his woods, and that was the scariest the woods have ever been for me. Then we found <laughs> out it wasn't real, and we all got really mad. Because you were suckered in? Or you got- yes, because I was sucker punched. <laughs> and we were so terrified that, like, this is real. And it's comp- I mean, now that I'm an adult, I'm like, eh. for a student film, it was kind of. It's clever. So, I, so, so to take us back full circle, as we wrap up this segment, yes. is when I asked you earlier, can you watch a movie for enjoyment? Have you felt that same experience of watching a movie and had the same feeling like you did with Blair Witch? Yeah, I, I still recent, get recently. Yeah, I I remember what it's like to watch movies for enjoyment. <laughs> no, but um, ones that that just take you completely into that you you walk away feeling. Yeah, or... those are usually the movies, especially recently. So, like, Thoroughbreds okay. um, is a movie that I recently I watched, and it was just really... But I the whole time you're kind of analyzing I'm analyzing it. But um, I watched uh, The New Suspiria. Okay. And what I loved about that movie... I was, I was skeptical going into it because I love the original. And it's so vastly different cinematography-wise than the original. But they did it for such a reason that it affected me differently. So I guess in a roundabout way, it's like me reading the movie then affects me. But there were um, there were legitimate parts that made me uneasy. So I watched so many horror movies because I'm a huge horror movie guy that a lot of them don't affect me. Like I'm not, I'm not scared. And I'm not, so I'll watch it for like the craft and like that was well done. So when a horror movie, generally I like when they make me feel uneasy. So, like, The Witch makes me feel uneasy. Suspiria, the new Suspiria. There were legitimate scenes where I was kind of cringing. And I think that that's well done. That's That affects <laughs> me. The Shining, there's uneasy with the music. and the, right. That's what I think is done well. The jump scares, that's anybody can do a jump scare. That's jumping out from the closet when someone doesn't expect it. I mean, that's easy. I don't like those. Um, I like the slow burn, kind of cringy, uneasy feeling that you get. And Suspiria did that. But there's a lot. I need to go back and watch it. Unfortunately, it's like close to three hours. So it's one of those movies that's like, it's, it's got to be an o- event. It's an obligation. Yeah, it's got to be an event. Um, more of a pop, poppy movie. Another remake that I was skeptical at first was uh, the new Blade Runner. The new Blade Runner. There's scenes in that movie that give me chills visually. Like the way visually it's set up. Just because the cinematography and... The colors and it, like, I know you're not a Blade Runner guy, but I I, I enjoy that because I I, I get a I nice love the nap. original two hour nap watching them. It's slow. I I think we're starting to see a theme with my. <laughs> I like these slow burn movies where I just sit and stare. Um, but there are legitimate scenes in that that give me chills. Um, Interstellar is one that I, Interstellar I saw it. My wife and I went to see it because I love Nolan, so I'll go and see. I'm like the. I'm like the Tarantino fan base with Nolan, where anything he puts out, I'm going to go see, um, no matter what it is. And I remember going and watching Interstellar, and it kind of blew me away. Um, Just seeing it, again, like you said, seeing it on the big screen was so vastly different. Especially he shot in IMAX and stuff, so it's huge. It's this event. 
but what he did visually and storytelling wise was really good and as i said I, I need to go back and give that one a second chance i saw it the first time in the theater and walked out going that was a waste of my time it was ending, i need to talk to you before yeah because the ending of it i, I just walked away feeling See, like I, I, had, to... I had i had been i had been pranked i need to talk to you before yeah we need to talk about it yeah so that's what everyone there was a guy i talked to once and it was right after the movie had come out and he said, oh, I didn't like that movie. And I whipped around in my chair because I was working in an office at the time. And I said, what didn't you like about it? And he goes, oh, he's blah, blah. I'm not going to give a spoiler alert here if you haven't seen him. But, um, and so then I spent, I kid you not, a half hour telling him why the ending worked. And at the end of it, he stared blankly at me and went, oh, yeah, I guess I do like it a little better now. <laughs> Don't just watch it and then go, that didn't make sense. Like, think about it. Like, how does this work with the whole narrative and how it was working? And it's, it's a big circle. And it was also his ode to 2001. So yeah. which you're a big fan of little place in my, and heart. I'm sure we'll cover that. Oh, a okay. few dozen times. <laughs> <laughs> we'll hear Kubrick at least 75 times per episode. I think you get paid by his estate to mention his name. Don't Shh. you? <laughs> okay. That wraps up. Our we main will come topic, back from our main topic. And we'll be back with lightning round, lightning round whatever that is. <laughs> Tim's going to find out. <laughs> we'll all find out together. Are we back? We are back. That's Dustin's introduction to this round. So he's introducing a new feature for us. Of course, it's a new feature. It's our first Everything's episode. a new feature, yeah. so it's great. So this is something he's, to be he's come up with called the lightning round. Lightning round. So every, I think every podcast will do a little different variation of the lightning round, uh, and it'll just be kind of fun, quirky things. We'll call them quirky um, between Tim and I, or our guest, like right. Greg Sestero, um, our first big guest. Of that, we, that we know of, we might have other big guests before then. That we know of, but he's yeah. our first scheduled big guest. So this lightning round, I have come up with a series of some pretty good questions that Tim has to answer off the top of his head. Let's do. A minute. I'll give you a minute to, to, respond. to answer each question. You're not going to know the question. You'll know the questions ahead of time, obviously. Right. I came up with these. Let's do 30 seconds. Yeah. So we'll, minute, do th- uh, we'll do 30 seconds. You got a minute. That could give me a long that time. That could give you a long babble. time to think. And I don't yeah. want you to babble and think. But I'm going to laugh at some of these, I think. <laughs> um, Wait, we weren't doing lightning round earlier when you're asking me some of the other questions? Was no, that, this was, is that even better. That wasn't This is up? so random and even better. Okay. That it's that it's good are you ready tim i am ready all right who is the current best actor slash actress current best actor let's give it to robbie robert Downey jr and actress i'm gonna give it to the girl from eighth grade the girl from eighth grade uh, elsie fisher elsie fisher yeah. that was a pretty good answer Hold on, my thing with hers. I don't know if it's her acting or if that's her just being her and they filmed uh, it. Uh, uh, my, my thing. That, that was the timer. Okay. I'll say Fisher. Uh, you know what? Those weren't that. That's fine. Those are fine. Robert Downey Jr. Well, because I, I have Iron Man in my head yeah, from our conversation yeah, yeah, earlier. Yeah, yeah. So. All right. Next question. <laughs> what is the best film genre? Disney. The, is that a genre? I don't know. Is it? Why animated? How about animated movies? Why is that the best? Because they can go completely out of the universe without giving you a fake CGI. If it's animated, 
But it's CGI you, is animated. I know that, but animated by hand or in the computer is way better than CGI. Ever. And stop motion is even better than all of those. Because it's amazing when they can do stop motion animation. Oh, that was a letdown. <laughs> I needed the bomb sound. What is the best Disney movie? Best Disney movie, Lion King. Not the one that's coming out this summer, but the original one from that. Eh, you now get five seconds. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> um, if you were a director, what film from the 1980s would you remake? What? I'm trying to think of 80s movies. Um, Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. What in... I'm pausing it. What in the hell is that movie? I don't know if it's from the 80s. It might be from the 70s. It doesn't matter. What is that movie? It's, you haven't seen Buck, Adventures of Buckaroo I don't even Banzai? know the words you just said. <laughs> Peter Weller. Oh you, you have to watch it. It's, it's an amazingly bad, amazing movie. Why? What is it even about? You, you have to watch it. Can't explain it. Oh, can't my explain God. It. Okay, Avengers it, it, uh, of Apocrypha. So, uh, Avengers of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. Buckaroo Banzai. Got it. I'll put it on my list next to Beach Body Massacre. Beach Boy. Volume 3. Volume 3. Um, and best animated film of all time, go. Spirited Away. Of all time? You okay, good. Uh, that was good. Yeah, good. My head. Uh, name a name a film that Western culture raves about that you really can't stand. Oh, that I, uh, um, <laughs> I, uh, I because I I draw a blank. Uh, pass. Just so say, what's your what's your answer? Just say Forrest Gump. Um, oh, always yeah. say Forrest Gump. <laughs> Forrest Gump has answered everything. What is your favorite film currently? Favorite film currently, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh, good God. Not <laughs> Avengers of Apocrypha, Beachbody. Do you think Twister is a good movie? It's entertaining. It's a popcorn grinder. It is a good movie is the answer that you should have said. <laughs> I'm going to start giving you the right answers. Um, let me see. Let me can, see, let me see. In case you can't tell, Dustin teaches. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is grades. What is your least favorite film currently? Least? Blue Valentine. Did you watch it? I watched Blue Valentine. You didn't like it? I got so distracted, I did. I, I had to keep rewinding it to go back to the scenes because I, I wasn't paying attention. Again, because... What were you doing... Pause. What were you doing during the movie? I was sitting at my art desk with that on. Just watching it? I, I was sitting on the chair watching it, and I got so distracted, I started organizing my art desk. <sighs> so what's it, what's it about? It's nope. about real-life real people doing stuff. It's like... No. Nope. There's no escapism. There's no popcorn nope. in that movie. Stop. Uh, what you meant to say was Blue Valentine is great. Um. <laughs> so this is the end of uh, episode one season one of from the proscenium podcast and we uh, welcome you to join us and listen to future episodes you can also follow us on our website proscenia also on facebook we are proscenia film society and we're on instagram and twitter as proscenia film and proscenia is spelled p-r-o S-C-E-N-I-A, which is the plural of proscenium. <laughs> Look it up. Thank you. This is we'll going to be great because people are going to stop asking me. People, is that proscenia? I'm like, no, that's, what are you saying? Is that proboscisenia? And I'm like, no, it's not a proboscis. Procinia. <laughs> but it makes Don't people, pronounce the C, just say proscenia. But it makes people ask questions. Speaking yeah. of, if you have questions, email us. Yes. Let us know. Answer and get ready for more podcasts. Greg Sestero is going to be exciting. 
And if you are in the Dayton, Ohio area, join us at the Mayflower Art Center for we have Thoroughbreds March 2nd. If this March is released 2nd. by then. It might be. It and might then we be. also have um, Best Friends Volume 1 at the end of March. And we also have 8th grade early 8th grade April. is in April. So there and you go. And Pan's Labyrinth is in April. Pan's Labyrinth is April as well. Yes. And we'll, our Sunday series this season will be foreign films. Yay. Thank you. See you later. Doot, doot, doot.